Well, we're up late. And the game was over early. In fact, I think since we started this podcast, the Phillies have hit four more homers. Dusty Baker is still considering leaving the pitcher in. But let's leave in your pal Sully and your friend Millard because it is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. You are a Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover. This is the event podcast that happens once a week where we join forces. We Voltron this up and we talk about our takes in the world of baseball. Not much to talk about with the Diamondbacks these days, but we are going to be talking about the World Series. We're going to be talking about the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies, the team that finished one game ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers, was the last one in, was the one everyone pat on the back. Oh, it's really cute. You get to experience a playoff game. Are now two wins away from the World Series and a possibility of vanquishing 200-win teams, including both of last year's World Series participants. Nothing makes sense anymore. But one thing does make sense is that I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Check out my lower third right there. Just call me Sully. And right over there, this Bajikaloop over here is the host of Locked on Diamondbacks, but I forgot his name. Tell me your name. It's late. Yeah, it's Miller Thomas. And real quick, the D-backs still kind of matter because they did the gold gloves today. Christian Walker took home the gold glove award at first base in the National League. And Dalton Varsho was absolutely robbed because go check the outfield stats on Fangraphs. He's like number one in every statistic. If you want to see more content by me, you got to follow me on Twitter so you can follow all the D-backs knowledge and insight you want at CreatorThomas24 on Twitter or, of course, on YouTube as well, Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube as well. So go hit subscribe on the YouTube channel, please. I feel badly that I disrespected the Diamondbacks in such okay. a grotesque manner that I just did. Um, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And my pal Millard over there, uh, you're at what? At Creator Thomas 24 on my Twitter personal account. Or you can look up Lockdown Diamondbacks about Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Like I said before, but I'll double down. Follow us on YouTube. We are getting dangerously close to 200 subscribers. So please go and subscribe. Lockdown Diamondbacks. Okay, I guess that's the podcast, right? We just we just <laughs> wrap it up, baby. Wrap it up. Um so, yeah, game three of the World Series finally took place. Uh, games one and two were played four months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like it was played four months ago. And after the travel day and rain delay, we had our game three. Now, Connor Thompson was our last guest, host of Lockdown Phillies, and I talked about the fact that I felt that the rain delay helped Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The main reason I think it helped Philadelphia was it allowed them to start Aaron Nola in game four, instead of game five, with the notion that starting him in game four probably would give Philadelphia a very good chance to tie the series at two games apiece. Because, let's face it, the matchup of Lance McCullers versus uh, Rachel Suarez, while that was a better matchup than McCullers versus Syndergaard, it clearly was on the Astros' favor. 
And the Astros were going to show off. They were going to win game three. But now this gave the Phillies a fighter's chance for game four. And I said that the, the Astros were going to come in, make quick work of the Phillies in game three. But game four was going to be the interesting one. That was my take. And folks, takes don't get much worse than that. Predictions don't get much worse than that. Because right from the get-go, the Phillies jumped all over McCullers. Bam, bam. And did I mention bam? Home runs by, I lost count. They, they, they scored seven runs, but they never had a runner in scoring position when they drove in the runs because they were all, all, the, all the extra base hits were homers. Yeah. Harper hit a home run. Uh, Baum hit a home run after Harper whispered something to him. He brought him over and said, oh, by the way, McCullers is throwing pumpkins right down the middle of the plate. Why don't you hit a homer? Okay. And he took his advice and hit a homer. Um, Marsh hit a home run. Schwarber hit a home run. Hoskins hit a home run. All off of McCullers, all between innings one and five. Um, Five and under, wow. Yeah, five and under, wow. The Phillies' first team in, I think, World Series history to hit five home runs in the first five innings. And like you were saying, I said on yesterday's podcast on the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast, like that extra day of rest for the Phillies was a huge advantage because of what you just alluded to with their pitching. Because not only do you get Aaron Nola in game four, like you got Ranger Suarez tonight in game three. It was supposed to be Noah Syndergaard, but with the extra rest, they said, let's throw out our normal game three starter in game three. And Suarez was fantastic tonight. The top five hitters in the Houston Astros lineup had one hit combined. Like Suarez did a great job of limiting them. And now for this rest of the series, like you have Aaron Nola in game four, and that also makes it potentially available if you know if you get to a game six or game seven maybe take nola out the bullpen for one of those later games you could use zach wheeler now maybe a game five or a big game six so like the pitching now sets up beautifully for the phillies which kind of looked like it might have been their disadvantage because we know that rotation is so frontline heavy with the wheeler nola we're like okay can we get two two turns through the rotation with both of those guys it was going to be very close but now you're going to get them both on normal days rest if you want them two turns in a in one series and that's a huge advantage for this Phillies. It's a big reason why I said, why doesn't every Major League Baseball team have a retractable roof? I'm tired of weather affecting games. How many playoff games this postseason, Sully? Specifically with these East Coast teams, the Yankees and the Phillies. Like We've seen so many of these big games late in the series get postponed and then another. It's usually like the underdog that feels like they're getting extra days of rest. They're able to reconfigure their rotation and getting an advantage. I think it's a not the biggest reason as to why we're seeing upsets happen this postseason, but I do think it plays a small advantage for the underdogs, the weather and this extra rest that teams like the Phillies and even the Guardians were getting with all these rain delays. All right, let's let's address the elephant in the room. Okay. Um, I am a Dusty Baker fan, mm. and I have said over and over a couple of things. I think he's an all-time great manager, and I also know that rooting for Dusty Baker – as a fan of a team that he's managing can sometimes be a roller coaster. Uh, he is undoubtedly a great leader of men. He is undoubtedly someone that players would run through a brick wall through. He's taken the giants, the Cubs, the reds, the nationals and the Astros to the postseason. He's won several pennants along the way in both leagues. Okay. So there is no questioning his managerial credentials. I, I can I, I think that 
every time I mentioned Dusty Baker to my father, he would wince. I know when I talk about Dusty Baker to people while he's managing the team, there's a lot of exhales because as great as the results are, he is an unorthodox manager. In fact, I have in the past equated him to like an avant-garde filmmaker who doesn't follow all the rules. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but he makes it more interesting. I preface all that by saying that I, I give Dusty Baker all the credit in the world for being a terrific manager, but there will always be moments where you go, oh my God, what's happening? And when the Astros fell behind for nothing with a completely rested pitching staff, an insanely deep pitching staff, and McCullers came out to pitch three more innings after that. Now, he held them scoreless for a couple innings, but he wound up allowing two more home runs in the fifth and there's a big difference between 4 nothing in the second inning and 7 nothing in the fifth inning. And uh, again, the, it's tough to say, hey, the, the game slipped away when the Astros scored a grand total of zero runs in the entire game. That being said, you're like, if it was a 4 nothing game and you're bringing a pitcher to sort of like calm down the storm, you said, all right, all we need is a couple of two-run rallies, and this is this is a ball game again. Once it got to 7 nothing, I give Dusty credit for bringing in the late Jose Urquidy, uh, who has been the Maytag repairman just sitting in the bullpen going, I'm, I'm available, I'm on the roster. He came in, Urquidy pitched three shutout innings, and the Astros pitching staff is completely rested for game four. But I can't help but feel that there was a sense that this game was punted in the fifth. Yeah, these are these are big legacy games for Dusty Baker because when you look at the all-time managerial wins, if you look at the top 13, Dusty Baker is currently ninth all-time in managerial wins. But of those top 13, Dusty Baker is the only one without a World Series ring. So these are huge legacy games for Dusty Baker. And I think a lot of times when you look at not just postseason games, but baseball in general, I feel like a team like the Astros with a starter like Lance McCullers, they're like, we're going to go out there and we're going to let Lance McCullers give us five innings no matter how he performs. Whether it's two earned runs or five earned runs, we're going to save our bullpen and we're going to ride our workhorse star tonight. And so I think that was kind of the game plan with Dusty Baker. No matter what, we're going to live and die by Lance McCullers. And it was dying tonight because they were just smashing home runs left and right off of Lance McCullers. And it wasn't even off his fastball. If you look at all the home runs McCullers gave up tonight, it was all off speed or his sinker ball. Like these... Phillies hitters were just waiting for that off-speed pitch. They were patient at the plate. And a lot of those times, that off-speed pitch was just drift toward the middle of the plate. When you saw Bryce Harper up there, like the broadcast was talking about it. I think they said Lance McCullers hadn't thrown a fastball to a lefty all season. And it looked like Bryce Harper was locked in and knew that because the first pitch he saw off-speed down the middle absolutely crushed. So I think this was the game where... The Astros want to ride Lance McCullers. They were going to try to save their bullpen, even though their bullpen was already rested. Like, you probably should have yeah. got Lance McCullers out there early because your bullpen was rested, right? They had two days off. They yeah. had two days off. So most of the and time they- I agree with so like most of the time I agree with the game plan. Like, all right, you're 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 putting your one of your top two starters out there. And if he gives up five earned runs, he gives up five earned runs, but he's gonna save the bullpen by still going five or six innings tonight. But on a day like this, when your bullpen's fully rested, I do agree Lance McCullough should have been out there after the freaking second or third home run given up. Well, look at they 
it's like they lost their shirt. You know, yeah. it's like, it was like mm. they just it just got their shirt ripped right off. And let me tell you something: if you wear the right shirt at the right time, in different circumstances, you know, part of the problem is that the right shirt for one circumstance not always the right shirt for another. Is there any situation that you can illustrate what I'm trying to say here, Bill or Thomas? Yeah, let, let me shirts take right over. Now? Yeah, let me take over because I think I think Bryce Harper under his jersey, he's been wearing a roan commuter shirt because let's let's face it, Sully. No one likes to wear dress shirts anymore. They're uncomfortable. They're tight. They're just never your size, but that's okay because we all know the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge like Bryce Harper in the Philly snipe because Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way. From your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf, it does not matter. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash LockedOn. Use promo code LockedOn to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order. When you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash LockedOn, use code LockedOn. It's time to find your corner office comfort. holds a golf do you play a weekend uh you know every now and then son uh sully i'll take my roommate's golf clubs and i'll just go to the driving range for like 30 minutes and just hit a bucket of balls never playing around a golf though i uh every day i play 36 holes oh every single day 365 nice. days a year i'm at the links and it's caused tremendous strife for me and my family and my work but I gotta play thirty six holes a day. I've never played a round of golf in my life, so I, the answer to that is is zero. okay. I was gonna say, there's no way you're playing thirty six holes. You'd be on the course for nine hours a day if that was the case. No, no, I've never played a round of golf. Um, um, I mean, I've played miniature golf, but I've never, I've never golfed. But uh, my dad used to golf all the time. My dad loved golfing, but um, and he actually enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. But uh, all right, but let's just let's talk about something right now. Okay. Um, our, our mutual friend, Stacey Gatsoulis, the host mm-hmm. of Lockdown Yankees, retweeted. A couple of people retweeted a Brian Hoke tweet from uh, December 18th, uh, December 10th, 2018, which says, Brian Cashman indicated that Bryce Harper isn't a fit for the Yankees. Oh. Said the team already has six outfielders mm. and playing Harper at first isn't realistic. How does that – the six outfielders included – uh, yeah, who are Jacoby, Jacoby Ellsbury, who was in a full body oh cast at the time. Is this uh, from 2019? Did he? This make is from comments? 2018, before, okay. before when okay. no one was signing Harper. Okay, um, that makes sense for Jacoby then. Yeah, uh, uh, Hicks, uh, Brett Gardner, mm. uh, Clint Frazier, 
Ooh, he was supposed I mean, to be this, this is a this is a murderer's row. These are all future Hall of Famers. Uh, Stanton, who's a DH, mm-hmm. and Judge. So, yeah, I mean, that was the year you had two MVP candidates available, and the Yankees had massive holes in the outfield and at shortstop, and they said no mas to both of them. This postseason uh, has become a coming out party for Bryce Harper in so many ways. He just, he obviously was the MVP of the mm-hmm. league championship series. He is, he had the huge home. It was, it was a gigantic home run in the first inning. See, so, you know, that, that was a statement home run. It reminded me of Eric Davis's home run off of Dave Stewart in the 1990 World Series, which was kind of like, oh, wow, the Reds are going to, the Reds showed up. And sometimes you can have a big home run in the first to say, you know what? You think you're going to push us over? We're showing up right away. And that home run that, you know, the, the, the Astros jumped all over, if you know, first pitch swinging at the beginning of the game. And once again, Nick Castellanos, who's playing right field because of Harper's injury during the regular season is making, this is his third Huge defensive play. He made that spectacular play against Atlanta. He made the game-saving catch in game one in the World Series. Made the great catch in the first inning uh, this this afternoon. And this is a guy who was considered to be a DH. He's only playing the outfield because of the injury. And yet most of his highlights are with his glove. And then... Harper hits the home run and immediately puts McCullers on his heels. You know, I, I I said last year when Harper was named the most valuable player for the second time in his career, I said, I can't tell if he's the most overrated, underrated player of all time or the most underrated, overrated player of all time, because there's, there was there tended to be a, a an opinion that he was an overrated player who had one great year. Yeah. When he was with Washington. But when you've won multiple MVPs uh, and now are leading and one of the most unlikely teams we've ever seen to, at least to within two wins of the World Series championship, it's tough to call the man overrated, especially with the way that he's taken the team on his shoulders, not just with his bat, but also with his leadership. Yeah, because I do feel like at there were certain points where that might have been a little bit true because – I think there's just been a lot of variance throughout his career because he does have those two really high MVP seasons where he looks like the best player in baseball. But then he also has like a couple other seasons where it's like, yeah, he's an all-star, but is he like a true superstar, the best player in your lineup? But now, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, we all know coming out of high school, basically like the LeBron James version of a major league baseball player on Sports Illustrated as a teenager, number one overall pick, rocketed through the system, a rookie of the year, two-time MVP but we hadn't yet seen it on the biggest stage. This guy left his team, the Nationals. They go on to win the World Series. And so we were left with more questions than answers about Bryce Harper. Is he worth that contract? Because we've seen so many great players in Major League Baseball. When you go to the Clayton Kershaws, guys who are great in the regular season but don't perform in the postseason. Or you go to the Mike Trouts, guys who are great in the regular season. But we don't know exactly what you can do in the playoffs. So there was a question mark to Bryce Harper. Can he translate what he does in the regular season to the playoffs? And he is he a legit MVP candidate year in, year out? And so far with this Philadelphia Phillies team, the last couple of years, 
won the MVP last year. I think this past regular season, I thought he was pretty damn good outside the injury. And now you look what he's doing this postseason. He's realizing all the potential we've had for Bryce Harper. And right now, like I think one of the funnest debates you can have is Bryce Harper versus Mike Trout. Who would you rather have? Because I think a lot of people in the regular season would go with Mike Trout. But like Bryce Harper's doing everything I want from my my athlete, one of the best players in sport. I want my guy who puts up big numbers in the regular season to come through for me in the biggest moments in the postseason. I feel like as baseball fans, most of the time, we don't care about that. As long as you have good numbers in the regular season for 162, it's all gravy once we get to the playoffs. So Bryce Harper's showing you I have a certain level in the regular season, and I could take it to another level in the postseason. And I absolutely love that because no one in Major League Baseball is hotter than Bryce Harper right now. You know, uh, the the two will always be linked because mm-hmm. they're rookie of the year is the same year, which is crazy to think about. Like, yeah. like that's all time, basically. I, I think about the two most frustrating. This is going to sound weird, but this is something I just I was just thinking about a frustrating what could have been World Series um, from the nineties. And I realized there was another frustrating what could have been World Series from the 2010. So bear with me for a second. All right. 1997 World Series was the Marlins and Cleveland. A weird World Series. The Marlins were a weird champion because they were assembled for that one year and disbanded immediately. It was more of like an act, an act to make sure that players like Kevin Brown and Gary Sheffield and Moises Alou and Darren Dalton wouldn't finish their careers ringless. And he saved with Jim Leland. And of course, it was probably the worst of the Cleveland teams in that run. So naturally, that was the team that got within two outs of winning the World Series. Um, it was a weird World Series. In that postseason, you had Griffey with the Mariners, along with Edgar and A-Rod and Randy Johnson on a Mariners team. And you also had that postseason skinny Barry Bonds, pre-bulked up Barry Bonds, <laughs> playing in candlestick with San Francisco as they won the division that year. And I Beast. think about what could have what could have been if those two teams, those two talents, Griffey and Bonds, and that version of Bonds met in the World Series what that could have been to their legacy and to baseball to see those two at that point at the highest stage. Of course, it didn't happen. Uh, In 2014, we had another situation where the best team in the American League in terms of win-loss record in the regular season were the Angels, led by Mike Trout. And the best team in the National League were the Nationals with Bryce Harper. And we could have seen those two teams match up if they matched up at that point in the World Series, what that would have meant for those two players and those legacies. As it turned out, the Giants upset the Nationals and Kansas City upset the um, uh, uh, the, the Angels, and it turned into the Madison Bumgarner show, which is, again, his great legacy. But I would love to see our best players play on the grandest stage. And as you made the point, yeah, it's no fault of Mike Trout because he's obviously 
held up his end of the bargain. It's just mm-hmm. the rest of the team around him stinks, with the exception of Otani. Now we're seeing Harper, who was who it was a big blow to his reputation that when he left Washington, immediately they won the World Series without him. So it's like, how important could he have been if they could go on to win the World Series without him? Well, now he's showing the world, hey, look at me, you know, underdog against St. Louis, underdog against Atlanta, on the league championship series MVP against a tough San Diego team. And now here I am hitting bombs and getting big hits on the stage of the World Series. Uh, He's worth every penny that the Phillies sign him for. And if he, you know, he's signed until the heat death of the universe with Philadelphia. But it, you know, the fact that he's put the Phillies back on the map and has given a generation of Philadelphia fans just thrills beyond thrills. Um, th- this has just been one of the great free agent signings. Then they have, his, you know, he's only 30, you know, he's yeah. got at least two Another or three decade. more MVP two or three more like elite seasons and then a bunch of very good seasons of which he could cash in on the goodwill of, again, even if they don't win, even if the Astros wind up winning this year, the fact he took this team to the World Series and the idea of them going to the World Series is not something out of the realm of possibility. It's gr- I like seeing my stars shine on the big stage and it's exactly what we're seeing with this player. Yeah, with the universal DH, Bryce Harper could be a superstar till the age of 36, 37. Like, he's going to be on one of the longest contracts in baseball. I feel like a lot of times when you look at those really long 8- to 12-year deals where the guy's making 30 to $40 million a year, I feel like a lot of the times, like, you feel like you're not getting that return on the investment. Maybe in the regular season, that player's putting up numbers. But when you get to the playoffs, a lot of these players all put up similar stats. Like, there's a quite select fewer players that actually stand up above the rest of the players once you get to the postseason like everyone needs those steve pierces and the chase mccormick's because those are the guys that actually win playoff series most of the time it's not your stars most of the time it's the the ancillary pieces to your team but bryce harper with what he's doing he's showing maybe one man can carry a team offensively because he's basically batting 400 throughout the whole postseason with like a 1200 plus ops and what he's doing right now just putting the team on his back and if we ever got a mike trout versus bryce harper world series like the ratings on that would be absolutely bananas like that's what we want to see across all sports right we want to have those barbershop debates that's what we love to do we love to just debate argue who's better who's this but until we see the two players on the biggest stage it's tough to actually have an answer and like you go back to basketball and oh nine we almost got kobe bryant versus lebron james i think we got tom brady versus patrick mahomes and Super Bowl a couple years ago like we want to see players at their apex in their prime battling against each other so we could end those barbershop debates and say hey my guy is better than your guy and we'll see if mike trout ever gets there but what bryce harper's doing right now is absolutely phenomenal and he's getting help too like um, it's not just what he's doing with his bat. Like we've talked about it. He's out there whispering to Alec Baum. Hey, just wait on that off speed pitch. It's he's being a leader. He's, he's being, being a leader. And that's like the biggest question. I don't want to always just like stay on the Mike Trout anti thing, but that's kind of like a question I have for him because I don't know if he has that same leadership quality. Like not every player is a leader. Like you, it's okay too. Not every great player has to be a leader. Sometimes you can be a superstar without being a leader. Not every player has to go out there and rally the troops. If you you can lead by example. I think that's probably the Mike Trout way. He's going to go out there and he's going to put up freaking phenomenal stats every year. And that's all right. But Bryce Harper, he does it with both his bat 
and his passion. I think his energy is infectious and it just transfers to that whole team. I think they're all picking up on Bryce Harper's energy. I think that's a huge reason, not just his bat, but that infectious energy that's parading through the rest of the locker room as well. We're here with Miller Thomas from Locked on Diamondbacks. Let's wrap up here for a little bit. There is a um, look at Harper and, you know, you you see someone like Kyle Schwarber and as someone who grew up a Red Sox fan, I'm just wondering, why can't the Red Sox get players like Kyle Schwarber? I Mm. don't understand it. Why why can't they get a player like him? He would be a nice first base for them. Yeah, he would be great. Yeah, yeah, give him a shot. But, you know, you see what the Phillies have done with their bats in games one and three. And you you wonder, oh, who should be the MVP? Who's in the front runner for the MVP? The Astros have someone who's in the front runner for the MVP. And if he raises his head again, he could bring the series back to Houston. That's for Amber Valdez. And okay. When, well, when Dusty didn't say for sure that Verlander was going to start game uh, five, because tomorrow, tomorrow we are – uh, or I guess you're listening to it today. Um, Christian Javier is going to start, and Christian Javier is no slouch. He's good, and he's going to be pitching against Nola, and Nola is the Phillies, one of the Phillies aces, and he didn't pitch particularly well in Game One. That would mean Game Five would be, if you go by the normal rest, would be Verlander, and if the Astros win tomorrow. I don't think there's any question you start Verlander in game five. But if mm. they lose, you would, and, and you're facing elimination in game five, you almost have to bring back Valdez, who pitched like an ace in game two. And I just can't imagine saying we're going to face elimination. And yes, Verlander's probably going to win the Cy Young Award. But right now, their best pitcher is. Framber Valdez. And I don't see a scenario where it wouldn't come within a billion miles of making sense to not use him if they're in a situation where they could be eliminated. Conversely, if the Astros win tomorrow and they hand the ball to Justin Furlander in game five, that could give them a chance to hand it to Valdez in a potential clincher. Or at the worst case scenario, a game that would send it to game seven. And then, of course, it's it's a free, you know, game seven would probably be a free-for-all. But I think Valdez is looming over this series. The way he pitched and the way he's been pitching and the, ser- the season that he had, uh, that's something that I think if you are a Philadelphia fan, you have to keep in the back of your mind. And that could be the pivot point to this whole Dusty Baker legacy is how – is who he employs in that game five, Justin Verlander versus Frambert Valdez versus Framber Valdez because of the case you just Easy laid out. Because, yeah, I, I could not get that out at all. But yeah, because for Verlander, like if you win this game four and he's out there in game five and you're like, all right, he's struggling a little bit early. We saw him not use the bullpen tonight. Like they're probably going to be rested in that game five. Like Christian Javier's no slouch. Like he had 25 starts at a two, five, four ERA. Like <laughs> this guy's a number two starter in pretty much any other rotation in baseball. He's the Astros number four guy. So they're more than likely going to be in at least position to win tomorrow's game. And if they do, and you throw out their Verlander game five, like, you know, your bullpen's going to be rested. And you don't have to be like, all right, Verlander has to give me five innings, six innings of quality baseball. We have no chance tonight. No, if he does the Lance 
McCullers and he gives up a home run or two in the first two innings, you pull that string quickly. You get the hook quickly on Verlander because we've seen him in these World Series games. The wheels fall off quickly for the guy. And I want Valdez in the game five if I'm down three to one because I need my best pitcher. I need my most reliable guy. I can't go with a risky Verlander who is going to win the Cy Young Award based off the regular season because in the World Series, he just, I don't know what it is with him, but he just hasn't been that guy. He's made six starts now. Like, it's a large sample size. This is like Verlander's fourth World Series appearance. Like, he's been here a lot of times, and he's always struggled on this stage. So, I think if you're down after game four, you have to go with Valdez, like you said. But you can get a little risky and maybe do the bullpen game in game five and do, like, what the Phillies did with Noah Syndergaard. We are like, all right, if you could give us three to four innings of two-run ball, we'll take that because we got the literally the best bullpen in Major League Baseball by bullpen ERA this past season. So I think they're going to rely heavily on that bullpen in game five, probably regardless if Verlander is starting or not. Javier versus Noah, who do you got in game four? I'll probably go with Javier just because Nola is still on – I guess he's on normal rest now, but he's been working a lot more during this postseason than a Christian Javier, who's just going to be a lot fresher um, than an Aaron Ola. But that doesn't mean the Phillies can't still can't win this game because they could just freaking do it again tonight where they just maybe they wait till they get to the bullpen of the Astros and they just outslug them there. Like this Phillies offense at any point can explode and just go nuclear on you because of what they can do with the long ball. So even though I like Christian Javier tomorrow, I, I just can't bet against the Phillies offense because they look like the best offense throughout the entire postseason. We look at run scored. Here's where I think the Phillies are going to win because I've been underestimating them this entire postseason. (laughs) That's fair. I've been wrong every time. They've won every home game this postseason. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. That's that's impressive. The two games against Atlanta and three games against San Diego and this the one this evening against Houston. And every time I think – Atlanta's going to turn around, St. Louis is going to beat them, the Padres are going to even it up. The Phillies always prove me wrong. So I'm going to stop picking against them. And I'm going to say, Phillies, I give up. You're better than I th- All right, fine. I admit it. You're better than I thought. And if you're the Astros, like you have to get to these opposing starters early, like early on the Phillies. And you, they've been doing that in the first couple of games. They were jumping out to early leads because yeah, they were five nothing against freaking uh, Nolan game one. Because the Phillies bullpen has been really good this postseason, but they're putting such a heavy workload on like their top three to four relievers. And we know this bullpen wasn't exactly their strength during the regular season. Like I'm trying to knock those starters out as early as possible to get to that bullpen. And I just hope the wear and tear throughout the series. I hope that I could just um, make that bullpen tired throughout the series so I could just start attacking the bullpen as well, because I think. Just the workload has been so heavy on them. If I'm the Astros, I got to get the starter out there early because I need to get to the wear and tear of the bullpen. I think that's going to be their greatest advantage as this series goes on, if they can prolong it to game six and game seven. My greatest advantage is having you on the show at least once a week. Hey, um, hey, thanks for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. Hey, Miller, do you have any suggestions for what their second listen should be? Yeah, their second list of the day should, of course, be the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. But after you check out the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, you should check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast because from the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm exhausted. I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. It is late here in California, so imagine how late it is elsewhere. That sentence doesn't make any sense. This is talking to Miller Thomas. Where can people find you? 
Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Diamondbacks Twitter, Instagram for the podcast. And on, please, we're close to 200 subscribers. Go hit subscribe on Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube. And you can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about some interesting pitching decisions by Dusty Baker, past, present, and future. This has been Locked On MLB, Locked On Dimebacks crossover for the second day of November 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. It's Miller Thomas. Hey, let's fist pump, all right, and call it another show.